This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. But I have a question for you first. Have you been fooled today? It is April Fool's Day. Already at 6 o'clock this morning, when I was pouring my rice checks into my bowl, Cocoa Puffs came out instead. (laughs) Just a reminder to my children, the day is not over. But April 1st is known as April Fool's Day, and that's a day that has become a time to play pranks on people. Do you know how April Fool's Day started? It goes back several hundred years, back to the 1500s in France, when they were making a switch in their calendar. Instead of following the Julian calendar, they started following the Gregorian calendar. That put New Year's on January 1st, instead of the end of March. But some people were still following that old calendar, and so on April 1st, they they were still celebrating New Year's, and therefore they were called fools. Well, at least that's the story we're told. We don't know if that's really accurate either. But over the centuries now, April 1st has been known as April Fool's Day, and a time to play pranks on people. Back in 1957, CBS News aired a story where they said the Switzerland farmers were enjoying a record harvest of spaghetti noodles. And they showed people picking spaghetti noodles off of trees. And hundreds of people believed it was true. In 1998, Burger King came out with the left-handed Whopper where they said all the ingredients were now turned 180 degrees, including the little sesame seeds, so that those who eat their burger with their left hand would get the same taste as those eating it with their right hand. And you know what? Lots of people showed up and were ordering left-handed Whoppers. You know, you have to follow the advice of Abraham Lincoln, who said, don't believe everything you read on the Internet just because there's a picture with a quote next to it. (laughs) But what it shows is that people will believe just about anything. And that's probably what people say about Christians, too. They'll just believe anything that the Bible tells them, including that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, if you want to talk about a hoax, a joke, a prank, there's a whopper. In fact, there are a lot of people, including some Christians, if you look at the bottom of that chart, who do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Is it a joke? Is it a prank? We are here today to confidently and boldly proclaim this. No fooling. Jesus is alive. There's a popular TV show called CSI. It stands for Crime Scene Investigation, where they look at all the clues, all the evidence to solve it. Well, today we're going to do a CSI Christ 
scene investigation. And we're going to look at six key points of evidence to prove Jesus is alive. It starts with the word of God itself. The prophecies that God gave hundreds of years before it happened. Now, we're familiar with a number of the prophecies in the Old Testament concerning Jesus' death, but there are also prophecies that speak of his resurrection. In that famous chapter, Isaiah 53, where we are told about the suffering of Jesus as a lamb led to slaughter, Isaiah also tells us about the resurrection. He writes, He was assigned a grave with the wicked, And with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. The Savior will die and rise. Several hundred years before that, King David spoke of the Messiah's resurrection. In words that Peter quotes in Acts 2 when he was giving his famous Pentecost sermon, he spoke these words from Psalm 16. And he said this wasn't talking about David because we can find David's tomb right here in Jerusalem and he's still in it. These words were about another anointed king, the Messiah. The psalmist said, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. The Apostle Paul summarized it all up when he was writing to the Romans, explaining who Jesus was. He said the gospel he promised beforehand through the prophets and the Holy Scriptures regarding his Son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. And so God made it clear through his own word, the Savior would rise again. Jesus himself even promised that. Several dozen times Jesus talked about his death. And he always talked about his resurrection, that it must happen. Here's one of those times. When they had come together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day, he will be raised to life. Jesus made it clear, this must happen. This was part of God's plan. Yes, he must die, but he must also rise to show that sins were paid for and death has been defeated. That same message was echoed by the angels in their proclamation on Easter morning. It's interesting to note how God uses angels, his special messengers, He used them to proclaim the birth of Jesus. He used them to announce when Jesus went into heaven that he would return again. But he also used them on Easter morning to proclaim Jesus is alive. As we heard earlier, when the angel spoke to the women, he said, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus 
who was crucified. Notice how he's making it very specific so that we see the evidence. Jesus who died. He's not here. He is risen just as he said. The angel is confirming Jesus' promise about his resurrection. And then, like a good detective says, come and see the place where he lay. And so a fourth point of evidence is the very burial place of Jesus itself. Recall how that was prepared. A large stone was rolled in front, and the governor ordered that a seal be put around it and guards be stationed in front of it so that nobody could steal that body. Nobody was going to get in. But an angel came, and with an earthquake, moved that stone aside. Those soldiers were so frightened, they became like dead men. And then they woke up and ran off and told their authorities what had happened, and they were paid off to lie about it. That angel rolled away the stone. Not so Jesus could come out, but so we could look in. So when Peter and John and those women came and looked inside, what did they see? An empty tomb. Jesus was not there. He had risen. The Apostle John gives us even more evidence about this place. He told us what they saw. Simon Peter came along behind John and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. The words he uses here describes not a, a mess of cloth lying around, but that all those strips of cloth were laying in order just as they, as they had been wrapped around Jesus' body. And that napkin over his face was folded and off to the side, there was no mess, no sign of a quick theft. Instead, Jesus had simply passed through that cross uh, cloth because he was alive. Another point of evidence were the people, the eyewitnesses who saw Jesus. Look at this list as the scriptures tell us. All the people who had witnessed Jesus being alive that Sunday, as well as the weeks that followed. In fact, on one occasion, the Apostle Paul says this, After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also. With those words, he's reminding us that this wasn't just a few emotional women and upset men who felt they had a lie about something. There were hundreds of people who saw Jesus alive. In fact, Luke, a doctor who studied and investigated and reports all the evidence about the life of Jesus, said this, after his suffering... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of a 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Clear evidence from the witnesses who saw Jesus. And those witnesses 
continued in their proclamation of the resurrection. So much so that the preaching of the church becomes centralized and powerful because of the resurrection. Already Peter, Pentecost Sunday, called the people's attention to that. He said, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Paul echoed the importance of the resurrection in our preaching when he said, It is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. So powerful was this message that the Christian church began to grow by leaps and bounds. So powerful and convincing was that message that the church was even willing to die. People were willing to give up their life rather than give up this truth. In fact, you know that Christianity is the only religion that proclaims that its leader, that its God, died and rose again. The resurrection of Jesus. Clear evidence so that we can come to the conclusion, say it with me, no fooling, Jesus is alive. So my encouragement to you is, don't listen to the critics. Don't listen to those who are skeptics. Oh, that can't be. That's just made up. How could that possibly ever happen? Listen to God. He gives us all that evidence to assure us our salvation is complete. But don't stop there. Don't stop with just listening to it. Testify to it. Just as the Christian church has done for over 2,000 years, continue to testify to the resurrection of Jesus because therein is the assurance of our salvation. And as we are doing today, let's gather together to celebrate. But don't make it a, a, a one-day celebration out of the year. Do you know why Christians worship on Sunday after God had instructed his people to worship on Saturday, the Sabbath? It's because of the resurrection on Sunday. This is our way of celebrating this truth Jesus is alive. The evidence is clear. Let's believe it and let's celebrate it. Now on April Fool's Day, um, when all these pranks are being played, of course nobody wants to fall for those. And so we're going to be a little extra cautious about what we hear and what we do. People might view our belief in the resurrection as foolish. But we're convinced it's real. We believe it because it's true. You know, if people ever say, well, I read this on the Internet, then usually go, well, you know, you don't know that that's true. So people will always rely on their logic to see if something is true. And therefore, people have denied the resurrection because it breaks our logic. How can someone who is dead three days later come to life? Impossible, they would say. But it's possible with God. 
And though that message may sound foolish, listen to what Paul says. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. He's telling us that Jesus is alive and we can believe it because God has said it and God does it. It was all part of his plan. And yet today there will be people who deny it. People who say there's not a chance of it happening. It may be possible, but unlikely. Only a small number of people will say it's definitely true. And if that's the case, then we have a problem. For the Apostle Paul said, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. But Christ has been raised. It is true. He is risen, and that becomes essential for our salvation. People will often cite the death of Jesus as essential for our salvation. And it is. Because that is how the penalty for our sins was paid. Christ came as our substitute and paid that penalty with his death. And with his life, he also purchased for us life. Because with his perfect obedience to the laws of God, we too have a righteousness through faith that allows us to stand boldly and unashamed before God on the day of judgment. But understand this, that the resurrection of Jesus is very much a part of that plan of salvation. You cannot deny it, because it's the proof that Jesus is God and has won for us salvation. And more than just looking ahead, we can see how that salvation, bless, uh, that resurrection blesses us now. It changes our lives now. For the rest of this month, I will have messages that tell you how the resurrection changes your life. How it brings you assurance and confidence, even amid despair and doubt. How it gives you joy, even through the experience of sorrow. You see, the resurrection is essential for our life. Now, I know people don't like being made fools of, especially fathers by their children. So we have to be alert to April Fool's Day pranks. But this is more than April Fool's Day. This is Easter. This is Resurrection Day. And Jesus is alive. Because of it, we have salvation. Because of it, we have life forever. So if that's foolish, then call me a fool. But you're going to have to call me that forever, because Jesus is alive. No fooling. Amen.